cliffcentral.com Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and cliffcentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life. With Gary Hertzberg on CliffCentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is the Laws of Life on CliffCentral.com from Johannesburg, South Africa. Alongside me today, Lionel Makokotlela. Welcome, Lionel. Thank you very much, Mr. Gary. And to our listeners, thank you very much for your support. And you can still do so by liking our Facebook page, which Mike will give us the details. Our guest from our previous show, which you have to listen to, it's a show on labor law. Is Saul Smith, a young attorney, and he wanted to stay with us because he likes birds and birding. So welcome to you, Saul. Thanks, Gary. Good. Uh, Lines, uh, yeah, just our email address, uh, law at cliffcentral.com. You want to give out our Twitter handle? Our Twitter handle is, uh, no, our handle is at uh, headslaw, which is H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W. And the Facebook page you talk about is the Laws of Life with Gary Hertz. Please, please, please do uh, give us any contributions in terms of the shows that you would like us to talk about and give us any feedback in terms of how we are doing it. This is the law show that really has a swag. We don't really bring the jargons. We simplify the law so that you get to listen and understand it. Our studio guest today is Mark D. Anderson. He's the CEO of BirdLife South Africa, very well known in South Africa. He's going to be talking about our country's magnificent bird life and the recent and extremely unique five-day cruise along Southern Africa's continental shelf from Cape Town. And I believe it is something that people are still talking about, and it was a few weeks ago. So welcome to you, Mark. Good to have you in studio, and thank you for this. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. Let's just talk about BirdLife South Africa, which has more than 5,000 members, I believe, um, and you have more than 30 bird clubs throughout South Africa. Millions of people are bird watchers, and uh, people that are not bird watchers don't, don't really realize that there are lovers of these birds to the extent that they are. And are we rated, if I may ask you this, as one of the best countries for bird watching in, in the world? Yes, well, we are definitely. And, you know, we've got about 9% of the world's birds in our country. Mm-hmm. And people travel to, to South Africa to watch birds because, you know, of our good infrastructure, obviously, um, you know, accommodation facilities, but also the unique birds which occur here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, BirdLife South Africa is an organization which is responsible for conserving our country's birds. And you know, people often ask, you know, how long you've been around? We were formed in 1905 well, as the yeah. South African Ornithologist Union. So we've been around a very long time. And our work is to conserve the birds. There's something that I read. I don't know whether it's 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 here or we we, we you know we're going to be part of it. But there's the World Migratory Bird Day, which comes up next week or this, this week, week, this, this Saturday. Week. Yes. In yeah. Fact. Tell us about what that is. So it's actually kind of the wrong time of the year for us as South Africans yeah, to works. be celebrating migratory birds because yeah. they've all left. Mm. But it's really a Northern Hemisphere thing and. They're celebrating the arrival of migratory birds in the Northern Hemisphere. But we will be doing something. So we have an ad agency, Utopia, which has the, um, who's led by Graham Warsop, the very famous, um, 
advertising guy. Yes. And we've got some really exciting posts we're going to be putting on social media this Saturday to celebrate World Migratory Bird Day. So what happens, forgive my ignorance, but in winter here in the southern hemisphere, do the birds fly out and go north? Well, lots of our birds yeah. do, yes. A lot of migratory birds, some what we call paleotic migrants, they go up to, you know, Eurasia where mm. they breed, you know, things like curlew sandpipers breed up in Siberia. When do they leave? What, what month? Well, different times of the year, but yeah. generally, you know, by this time of the year, everything's gone. So, yeah. you know, March, generally birds are starting to leave. There's always stragglers that remain behind, mm. but we also have intra-Africa migrants. So there's some birds that don't, um, migrate all the way to Europe, but they migrate to other parts of Africa. Could be abdom storks going to North Africa, things like woodlands, kingfishers going to Central Africa. Yeah. They're going to areas where the climate is better, you know, more favorable and where there's food. They, uh, they fly that distance, that long distance. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? When you it is think incredible, about, yeah. um, the distances that birds fly. And you think I mean, of, do, where do they stop and or how does it work? They're flying over sea. I mean, how does it? Well, uh, some birds, you know, would fly for long distance over the sea. And there's, yeah. you know, one, for example, the Amur falcon yeah. flies from the, you know, from the Horn of Africa across to India, which is a massive ocean crossing for a, a small falcon, which probably weighs about 150 grams. Mm. But then there's small migrants. You know, birds like the willow warbler, which I think probably weighs 10 grams or even less than 10 grams, they're migrating all the way to Europe. But they will stop and refuel along the way. Mm. But some birds, you know, will cover long distances, you know, maybe several hundred kilometers a day. And over a period of a few weeks, they're able to, you know, travel these distances. It's amazing. Um, apparently, bird watching is a multi-million dollar industry. Is it for us? Is the ecotourism in South Africa, is that is that good for us, the birds? That's right. And I, you know, just to mention that in the States now, bird watching matches golf and gardening as the three most popular pastimes. Oh, really? Mm. And a few years ago, a study was commissioned in South Africa by the Department of Trade and Industry and some environmental economists in Cape Town undertook the study. And they found that the bird watching in South Africa is worth about somewhere between 0.8 billion and 1.7 billion rand a year. And that was four years ago. And it's increasing annually. So it is a growing pastime. Very nice to see it. The demographics also changing, you know, um, a lot of black folk now watching birds mm. and a lot of young people. Um, lots and lots of young people watching birds, which is, you know, it's now is not uncool to be a bird watcher. No longer uncool. You have a stunning magazine. It's called, what's it called? Bird Afri Life? African Bird Life. Yeah. Is, uh, what's your, your readership like? Well, our print run is um, now 12,000, over 12,000. So oh. we, our members get a copy. We also have subscribers, and it's oh. available in retail, many retail outlets. CNAs and play, exclusive yeah. places and like that. Checkers, pick and pay, um, clicks. Does, and, this, uh, does this go over abroad, or is it conf Yeah, It, it does. does, yeah. We yeah. send quite a few copies um, to international um, members and subscribers. Oh. Yeah, it's quite – we're very proud of this magazine. It's essentially been going for 22 years, um, oh. but we've been the publisher for the last four and a lot of people consider it to be the world's best bird and bird-watching magazine. So, you know, Great. something good coming out of Africa. question we asked is, how do I attract birds to my garden? Is there is there a way? Well, this is the best time of the year to do so with there being, you know, less food out mm. there for our resident birds. This is the time when one can provide, you know, wild bird seed, um, fruit, suet, mm. and the birds will come and feed on it. You know, it's just putting the food in a place which is inaccessible to cats. You, know, you don't want the cat nabbing your, the birds that you attract into your garden. Also what, about, what about stuff we would throw away like breadcrumbs and stuff like that? Would, would they want that? Or? Bread, they will feed in bread, but bread is mm. not always good. So people often put out you know, slices of bread. Mm. And what happens is the birds will feed in it. It sits in their crop and it swells as it gets moistened. So mm. it's better if you're going to put out bread to actually soak it in water first in a feeder Good and not put out dry. Right. Yeah. What are, uh, instead of me having to buy f bird food, is there something in the house that I can 
trash that I can give them that's healthy? Well, old fruit um, you can give them. Um, dog food that your dogs don't eat, you know, they love. Mm. And, you know, one of the best things this time of the year is suet, which is just animal fat, basically. And you can yeah. buy it in balls from lots of the nurseries sell it these days in hardware stores. And birds love suet because this is the next few months, you know, they're short of energy. There's less food out there. And you know any food that one provides is a magnet to attract. Where, where do you put it on top of a wall or in a tree or what's the best place? Well, the nice thing if you go to you know some of these um, nurseries, um, garden shop being one that we work very closely with, they've got very nice feeders in which you can you know fit these, you know, insert these different types of food, mm. you know whether it's fruit or whether it's suet balls. I must I must confess that I do like birds, but there's one bird that drives me crazy, and I think it drives a lot of us crazy, and it's the hardy dog. Um, what can be done about them? Are they a nuisance, or they, is they do they add any value to us? Well, there's nothing that can be done, unfortunately. They eat parked on prawns, so right. they're a winner in my book. Okay, well that's one, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, yeah, they are good. I mean, they do aerate the soil and eat invertebrates in the ground and so on. But you know, the, the numbers have increased significantly over the last few decades, and we've tracked those through various projects we've been doing. Mm. And it's because we've provided lawns and golf courses and parks and gardens for them as well and trees in which they nest. And incidentally, it's no longer called the Hardedo. It's now called the Vuvuzela bird. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I don't remember them when I was younger. Is, is this something new, the hardy does? Yeah, the numbers have increased significantly. Where, yeah. where do they originate from? Well, they used to be here, yeah, but in, right. in lower numbers. I mean, and for example, just a couple of decades ago, you hardly got them in the Eastern Cape and you didn't get them in the Western Cape. Mm. They've expanded their range into those um, provinces. Can I add on to that question sure, about sure. the hardy yeah. dars yeah. growing in number? When I was a kid, I never saw a white ibis. The sacred it, ibis. It, it's, it's, it looks like a hardy dar, but it's, it's got it's a white It's called the sacred ibis, yeah. Right. Never saw them. Yeah. Now, they're everywhere. Is, is that because we that were they around before or they just moved in? Well, it's another bird. I mean, they, they occur across Africa, but and they were here in South Africa, but the numbers have also increased. And the best place to see a sacred ibis is, in fact, the local rubbish dumps. If you go yes. to the rubbish dumps, that's where they are and they scavenge. Yes. But the ibises have done well. And, you know, unfortunately, many bird species have done badly and continue to do badly. But there are some which have more general requirements which have done well. And the ibises being, you know, one such group. Mark, let's talk a little about people that want to shoot these birds, the hardy mm. dars. I've seen it, well, kind of with pellet guns uh. and that. Do you know the municipal bylaws? Do you know that? It's, well, it's, yes. Yeah. So basically, you know, you're not allowed to use a firearm in, in a municipal area, so mm. you've got to you know, watch out for that. But mm. the other thing is that most bird species are prote- protected by the Nature Conservation Ordinances, mm-hmm. and you know, the hardy dog being one of them, it is protected. So unless you have a permit to you know, kill it, to catch it, to poison it, to even willfully disturb it, mm. you're going to be prosecuted. People cannot eat birds. You can't catch a bird and eat it, even if you're starving. Or, really? Uh, well, well, can you? <laughs> I don't know. Well, people do all over. I mean, that's yeah. one of the th- big threats that birds face. I remember in there's Africa. one country in Africa. Yeah, I didn't yeah. want to mention their name, but apparently there were, there was no there were no birds left, and it's quite near to us. One of our neighbors. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. a lot of African countries' birds are utilised. I mean, yeah. one of the, the probably the world's most common bird is the red bull quelia. I mean, mm. there are millions and millions and millions of them, and they harvested and and they eat. And I mean, that's not really a problem. But there are parts of Africa that I visited where you can see that the the local birds are now fewer in numbers, significantly mm. fewer mm. in numbers because they're being utilized for you know, for personal use. 
And, you know, one can't deprive people of that. If people are starving, you know, you can't stop them from eating a bird. But it's against the law, isn't it? Yeah, you know, in, yeah. in probably in most countries. But in South Africa, in you, South know, Africa. The, you yeah. know, the country I'm most familiar with, the legislation, mm. you need a permit to do so. And if you mm. don't have a permit and you kill something which is protected, then what we're most worried about are the threatened species, mm. the ones that are listed in the Red Data Book. You know, you're going to be fined or you know, sent to jail. So it's By expensive. whom? Who takes this up? It's the, the Provincial Nature Conservation Authority. Oh, so the provinces yeah. um, have very strict um, ordinances and legislation, and they list which are the protected species. There's some that are not protected, um, some of the so-called problem birds. There's some that are problems in you know, agricultural areas. Yeah, pigeons. Yeah, pigeons. And you know, so it's not necessary to have a you know, permit. You, you wouldn't be liable for a, a fine if you, you know, killed those. What about guinea fowl? Guinea fowl, there's seasons in which you can shoot them, so they're – and it's basically outside the, the breeding season. So all of the provinces set annual hunting proclamations. And in those hunting proclamations, there's you know the seasons you can kill things and the bag limits. And and obviously, you wouldn't want to shoot a guinea fowl when it was breeding because then yeah, there's going to be no adults yes. to incubate yes. the nests, uh, the eggs, and to rear the chicks. Yes. So, Mark, um, would we regard, uh, do we regard uh, owl as a bird? And what is actually now – because uh, there was a cry about the threat of them being poisoned – um, in South Africa, so so people, what they do is they poison, they put poison out to kill rodents, you yes. know, mice and, and rats, um, and it was a problem in Alexandra. Yes. And poisons are bad news, so we don't support the use of poisons at all. And what happens is you get secondary poisoning. So, you know, the rat goes and eats the poison, and then you know goes into the garden or into the felt and dies, and the owl would maybe come and eat the the, the rat before it dies, or you know after it's dead, and and would also suffer secondary poisoning. So. It's a big problem um, for owls. So, but, you know, we have a big problem with rodents in, in Johannesburg and elsewhere in, in the country. And we have been advocating the use of biological control methods. So, you know, make use of natural predators, make use of owls. And just in Johannesburg, in, you know, in the, in the city itself, there's two species of owls that are relatively common, the spotted eagle owl and the barn owl. And I hear them often from our house um, in Parkhurst. They are around and they're doing the job. Um, but poison is not good for birds at all. And, it, you know, it's going to poison dogs and people too, so mm. best not to use poisons. So how can we really try to comply with the rules at the moment? How can we really educate people not to really start using chemicals as opposed and start using owls, uh, breeding owls? Yeah, a lot of work is being done, and there's a there's an organization called Eco Solutions. They've been doing a lot of good work in some of the townships, particularly Alexandra, where they've been putting up owl nest boxes and getting the schools and school children to adopt the owl box, to look after it and monitor it, and also you know, have competitions where they you know, do an illustration of an owl and then can win a prize. It's a long process, but I think we've come a long way during the last few years in making people aware of the benefit of owls. Okay, Peter Sullivan of The Star wrote a stunning article a few weeks ago under the heading Cruising to Success, and uh, I read that one. He says that 10 years ago you struggled to get 100 people to an AGM, but this year, hundreds, if not thousands, I don't know how many you had, paid for the privilege of coming to your AGM. How did this turn around to happen? Well, there's a few things, Gary. One is that we changed the name of our AGM. You know, AGM is a boring name, so we call our AGMs flocks. Mm. You know, birds flock and you know, we flock off somewhere and have a good time. Mm. And um, so when we did that, you know, there was a change in philosophy around our AGMs. Now, AGMs are no longer just the AGM itself. There's activities around it, and usually we go away somewhere. Mm. In 2013, we had something called Flock at Sea. We went in one of the MEC cruise ships from um, 
Cape Town to Volfus Bay and back over four nights. And it was a great success. And we had 1,200 passengers. Mm. There was a lot of interest to repeat it. So we repeated mm. it this year. Mm. And we had just under 2,000 bird watchers on the ship. We went south of Cape Town to one of the prime seabirding areas in the world. We had 2,000 birders. We had lectures and we had bird guides. And we had a lot of fun. Mm. And it was an amazing success. Anything special that you saw? There were lots of birds. There were, you know, we saw over 40 species. Some of them still need to be verified. We're still looking at some of the photographs. But there was the light-mantled albatross, which has only been seen twice before, I understand, in our waters. Mm. Um, things like white-headed petrels. And people got very excited. You know, very worried about the ship actually tilting to one side as 2,000 birders <laughs> ran across <laughs> to the bow or the stern or yeah. the starboard when, it, uh, when something was seen on that side. Yeah. But, you know, I've never experienced such amazing camaraderie amongst 2,000 people. It was, you know, it was just incredible. Amazing, yeah. And we were far out at sea, um, and we're going to be doing it again and again. <laughs> There's some beautiful pics on Facebook if you want to have a look at them. It's on Facebook page, Flock at Sea Again 2017. That's right. That's where the pictures are. I think more are being uploaded all the time. That's right. And, you know, we, yeah. we're very happy with the positive response that we've received. You know, it's quite a big thing to organize an event um, with 2,000 you know, guests. And we're a conservation organization. We're not an events company, but still we managed to pull it off with you know, only a few complaints. Yeah, Yori Yordan on Facebook from Port Elizabeth says, Flock 2017 was one amazing experience. Thanks to all involved. Linda Sandberg or Sandenberg, she says, uh, we had an absolutely wonderful trip. Thanks again to BirdLife South Africa. Every guide, volunteer, Keen birder and MSC staff that we encountered was unbelievable. My utmost thanks goes to the Lord who has created birds for us to search for and enjoy watching over and over again. Let's do it again and again. Lovely posting that. And then Lynette Rudman, she quotes uh, Robert uh, Cushman Murphy, uh, the well-known American ornithologist who said, I now belong to a higher cult of mortals for I've seen an albatross. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we yeah. saw, I think, seven species of albatrosses. Mm. And I think on the first morning I was sitting having breakfast. I, you know, I yeah. couldn't spend much time bird watching. I was looking after 2,000 people. Yeah. Sitting having breakfast and through the porthole I watched a wandering albatross flew, fly past. And I thought to me, I thought to myself, life couldn't get better. Things are going to be downhill from here. You know, having, watching an albatross while you're having your, your bacon and eggs is uh, quite a privilege. Saul, so you probably know the rhyme of the ancient mariner. Do you know that one? Not by heart, no. Yeah. With my crossbow, I shot the albatross. Twas right, said they. Such birds to slay that bring the fog and mist. And that's a little bit of it. Yeah. Beautiful, isn't it? Mm. So the albatross that never comes ashore is known as a pelagic. Is that the correct pronunciation? Pelagic, pelagic birds. I mean, yeah. there's, what there's, is a pelagic bird exactly? So pelagic birds are out yeah. at sea. You know, they yeah. don't come to the mainland. Um, like a seagull is. Yeah, some yeah. some yeah. You know, some gulls. Are, well, main gulls are mainly coast coastal species, but yeah. there's a lot of pelagic birds. It's not only the albatrosses. There's petrels and shearwaters and a variety of other species. Mm. And some of them will, you know, will spend most of the year out at sea foraging, mm. and will fly thousands of kilometres. And um, the young albatrosses, for example, will spend several years out there foraging without coming to land, and will then, um, you know, eventually come back to breed. And uh, it's really um, you know, incredible what they do. So, we, you know, we're very involved in, in albatross conservation, which I could mention briefly. Please do. Yeah. One, of the, one of the biggest concerns we found about, eight year, or about 10 years ago was that albatrosses were being killed in the trawl fishery. This is mainly the hake fishery. Mm. There are various reasons why they're getting tangled in cables. And we were losing in our waters about 10,000 albatrosses a year, just in the South African waters. 
So we um, managed to get some money to invest various to investigate and um, test various mitigation measures, and we successfully reduced the mortalities to less than 100 birds a year. And this is by having Tory lines, we call Tory lines with streamers off the back of the fishing vessels. So we fixed that problem. It's incredible. We're doing the same with the long line fishery, the tuna fishery, and we've just got a $1.5 million grant to work in the high seas, mainly with the Korean fishery, but also Taiwanese and the oh. Japanese fisheries. Yeah. So that's been a great success. Our next big challenge is mice. And um, Marian- of, of men and mice. Why? Why? <laughs> yeah. Mice are yeah. predators of young seabirds on islands where they breed. So, yeah. mice were introduced onto Marion Island, which is one of the South African islands, um, over a hundred years ago, and they weren't a problem while there were cats on the island. There were two and a half thousand cats, which were removed about just over twenty years ago. The mice numbers have now proliferated. There's probably millions of mice on Marion Island, mm. and they literally eat these young albatrosses alive. And I have video footage of it, and it's horrifying mm. to watch mm. this. So we, as BirdLife South Africa, with our partners, um, including South African government, are in 2020 or 2021 going to eradicate millions of mice from Marion Island. It's a project that's going to cost us uh, cost about 100 million rand. Oh, wow. It will involve the using three helicopters, and it will be a poison bait drop. Over the island, um, we're raising the money currently for this project to get rid of these mice. If w- what about secondary poisoning? This is quite a, <laughs> it's quite a mouse-specific uh, poison. Um, mouse specific so poison. what actually happens is the… the I um, think you could get it done for a lot less if you just hire a couple of guys with spades. <laughs> it might be a lot cheaper. <laughs> cheaper than 100 million. Yes. But what happens is when they eat the poison bait, and we the, this work is done during a time when there's you know in winter when there's a food shortage, mm. the mice consume this bait and they go underground because the eyes become sensitive to light and they die underground, which is then they're not accessible for a period to um, to the predators. It's very interesting. But we will take some birds into captivity during the period, but we have no options. Mm. You know, if we don't do this, we're going to lose bird species, mm. which is a problem. And it's going to be done in Gough Island, which is an English uh, territory, and that is. You know, also south of Cape Town, well, southwest of um, Cape Town. That's going to be done in 2019, probably. So in English territory. Yeah, yeah. So the so the the BirdLife partner in the UK, the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds, has been coordinating this for Gough Island. Mm. They're very advanced with it. And discussions with South African government, they've sourced three helicopters. Yeah, it's only a thousand pounds. It's yeah. nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> Mark, any patrons that you want to thank or? People that you want to thank generally for supporting your cause. Yeah, we have yeah. Um, we have a large number of um, people, organisations that support us. We have yeah. I mean we have three honorary patron, patrons, which should be well known to most people: Gaynor Rupert, yeah. um, Precious Maloy Motsepe, and Mark Shuttleworth, and many other people that support us. And it's it's really incredible how South Africans are concerned about the conservation of our natural environment and particularly um, birds. So we have we have a lot of support. Obviously, need a lot more, and I'd like to see our membership grow. How do we get people to you? Do they, do they go through the web, website? Through our website. Yeah. All the information's there. Um, oh. I think you know, they should, I'm happy to give them a copy of the magazine so they can see what it's like mm. and, and you know, think about supporting us. And you know, My final message always is you know, we need to think about the dawn chorus. The dawn chorus is amazing. To wake up in spring and summer and listen to birds calling. Can you make, imagine waking up to a silent dawn? You know, no birds calling in the morning. That would mm. be a huge indictment on us as the current generation. True, absolutely. To lead yeah. future generations a silent dawn. Before we let you go, Mark D. Anderson, anything else? That's me. Thanks. Good. <laughs> Thanks for being here, Mark. We really appreciate it. Saul Smith, thank you. You good? Uh, I'm good. Lionel, all good. Brilliant. Well, I could Brilliant. ask Brilliant. a question. Yeah. If I wanted to go birding in Joburg, where would I go? There's a few good places. One is uh, Walter Sisulu National Botanical Garden is a great place to go. Yeah, they've got black eagles there. They've got a pair of black eagles that breed there. 
Um, Maryvale Bird Sanctuary is quite good. Um, it's sort of eastern side of Joburg. Seikerbos Rand Nature Reserve is, is really good. But what I would suggest, if anybody's interested in bird watching, there's a, there's a large number of bird clubs in Johannesburg. Witz Bird Club, Rand Barbets Bird Club, Santon Bird Club, Bird Life in Quasi. And others, I've probably missed a few. Is all that info on your Facebook page? It's, it's all on our website. On all your of website. those bird clubs. And, you know, the bird clubs have regular outings um, to these places, and they have, you know, knowledgeable bird watchers accompanying um, the birders in these outings as well. So that's, you know, always the first step, I think. There's always, you know, safety by numbers as well. So mm. you know, go with mm. other people when you go bird watching. Many Great, thanks, thanks, Mark D. Anderson. You can flock off now, and we'll see you again. <laughs> Many thanks, Mark. Thanks, Kate. <laughs> Cliffcentral.com.